uh, George and I are doing a full Monty Surviving Society calendar for Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Surviving Society with Chantel and Tiso. This season's broad theme is reconfiguring whiteness. Today we're speaking to Daryl Blake on the podcast. Daryl is a creative filmmaker yeah 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 photographer um, as well. i have photography skills i've seen but... your photography skills which are very impressive but you know what i, I don't actually own a camera do you not uh, i have a borrow or just a smartphone man yeah and i'll use my phone yeah is that as well yeah, 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 yeah. researcher part of the first cohort of the ba in black studies sure yeah first in europe mm-hmm. you're a researcher mm-hmm. and importantly you're a youth worker sure. and community activist yep it's really exciting to have you. Oh, thank um, you so much. Thank you, thank you. Darryl. Thank you so much for joining us. We're thank going to talk you. about sort of a range of things now. It feels really weird recording at the moment, actually, T, because these episodes are coming out in 2020, yeah. and it's still 2019, and so much is going to have happened between now and when this episode comes out. The things on people's minds have been on people's minds for a long time. Brexit is the lens which kind of amplifies it all. Sure. But these things have been on people's <clears> minds for ages man mm. and mm. it just seems like so in 2020 regardless of the outcome <laughs> these things are still, still going to be on people's minds yeah, 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 yeah no yeah. I see what you mean and it's so interesting that when we go back to different episodes even when you go back from books from like decades ago like how relevant things are oh, yeah. now still so yeah a couple yeah, of yeah, months yeah. in between a podcast recording it's not the end of the world yeah Daryl what books have you bought with you? <sighs> well Rise and Organise was a book that was mentioned by my father. It's the birth of the workers and national movements in Jamaica. My father's from Jamaica, my mother's from Barbados. He's always spoken to me about political movements that's happened in the Caribbean. Tend to get missed out unless you study sociology and a little bit of history at university. College, secondary level, key stage uh, three and four you're not going to hear about movements in the Caribbean. You're not going to hear about Padmore. You're not going to hear about CLR, James, Césaire, Walter Rodney. You're not going to hear about them. Mm-hmm. But he's the one that's also opened up my mind to looking at politics in other countries or outside of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, mainly in Europe. Um, so this book also highlights women's movements as well in mm-hmm. the Caribbean. Again, that doesn't be spoken about mm-hmm. um, for obvious reasons. But um, this book plays a massive part in my uh, understanding of how even under... In Britain, especially when it comes to Caribbean uh, uh, settlers here, we've always found a way to fight against the system. Yeah. Um, But it's in a comfortable position. Um, Same thing um, with West Africans especially. Found a way to fight against the system, but it's in a comfortable position. I mean, Mm -hmm. we go out, we riot, we protest, march, do whatever. Mm -hmm. Then we go back to our comfortable homes that we technically don't own. Mm-hmm. But the movements here mm-hmm. against the system, this is way before Jamaica got the independence, it's still under British rule. They were mm-hmm. just coming into the new Commonwealth. Um, this book breaks down how people who were literally in the deep depths of poverty managed to change the system by, it started off by boycotting. Mm-hmm. That's where you change the economy of the system, mm-hmm. they start to listen. So this book here just gives a breakdown. I want people to actually read. I don't want to like, give it right, away. Organize right. but it's, it, it's so, so brilliant. Make, what I'm thinking about as you're talking, Daryl, I yeah. think it's something that Tiso said before, particularly <clears throat> when we're talking about black young people in Britain, knowing yourself and where you've come from. Like So many of us, we just don't know where mm. we've come from. And books <clears throat> like this, like to be able to give this to young people, yeah. I feel like it just would have, like, would have helped me so much, yeah. I feel like, knowing who I am. But... How I started to get into any kind of black history, my way in was through the Cold War, right? Right. Because most of the Cold Wars fought proxy wars, right? So proxy wars that happened in normally West Indian, African places. So mm-hmm. for my context, 1983 was Grenada, right? Go on, so tell me about, I don't know that. So the American invasion of Grenada in 1983. So once you start speaking, so when I went there as a kid, I'd speak to people and they'd tell me, so old people say, well, that's when the crack arrived, when the Americans arrived in 1983. So you start, automatically it's kind of, you can identify with that because as a young kid I understand urban crime and urban blight, so it interests me. But once you start looking around the world, you see proxy wars in different countries. So you start understanding how do these people organise themselves. So I started learning about Maurice Bishop and the Communist Party and how they organised it and how the government he was executed in 
the old the old English fort in Grenada, right? So he's shot to death. But once you start looking at these kind of movements, I, I start looking. At, I started learning about Patrice Nwumba mm. and all these other people. So there's a history to this, right? So you start in the 1960s, then you start going further back, and you start understanding that there's always been a political activism in these countries. What 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 kind of interests me though is that these movements are definitively political in origin, right? And definitely political in spirit. But one of the key, the key issues that had never been resolved and still has not been resolved in, in countries like Africa and the Caribbean is the economic dependence on the West. Mm. So this model was set up in 1884 at the Berlin Conference. The whole idea was to extract resources. Extraction was purely... So when, they, when these people got political independence, that was just political independence. It wasn't economic independence, <laughs> no, right? exactly. And so you, you see this with the whole idea, the idea of Africa forming its, its kind of own currency right now. Mm-hmm. Europeans are like, what the fuck? Yep. What are you doing? This has always been the problem. So it's interesting that we have the economics, the political story. In some books, and it's, it's interesting that we can talk about that and understand the history, but the, the thing that always gets me is this idea of economic independence, the mm-hmm. economic dependence of our nations mm-hmm. on the West still, because the West set this up for one purpose only, extraction. And there's a quote, Berlin Conference was set up for, in, in its form, it's humanitarian, mm-hmm. in, in practice, extraction. Simple. And it, nothing was, and, it, and that, the, kind of, the only thing that came out of the Berlin Conference was the, key, the kind of best example of extraction, the Free Congo State. Mm-hmm. The only thing that actually literally come out of it, and it wasn't meant to come out of it, was the idea of extraction in its purest form. And that, and that has dogged our history on that continent, in our nations, for. Until now. Way too long, yeah. You just heard from Professor Tiso Regis. <laughs> I just promoted him <laughs> on behalf of the podcast. I get excited when you go into these political, not political and historical monologues too, but it also sort of enrages me a little bit. Mm. Like so much of our subjugation is rooted in um, economic exploitation and extraction. But, Definitely. But this is, what's scary is it's, it's the continued basis of this thing that in all forms of culturally uh economically it happens all the time so for example there's a advert going around at the moment with grime yeah and ikea dwe yeah yeah, yeah. so a corporate entity plundering black eye guys for stuff right but it, it happens all the time mm-hmm. i do really like that song though. but you know what's weird <laughs> It's, it's just over the past like five years, you've seen a development of adverts, especially during Christmas time, mm. just incorporating culture, black culture, yeah, yeah. urbanization. But advert I saw today was UG, UG boots. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen their no, advert? I've, I've seen it's it. Damien Marley, not Damien Marley, um, Kamani Marley. Yeah. What? With his family, <laughs> they've got snow, fake snow in the background, <laughs> and he's there singing a reggae lyric. I would love to pull it up. Sing a reggae lyric, mm. and I'm like, Wow, and he's just there with his family. He's just got Ugg jumper, Ugg boots. I'm like, wow, how did who came up with that idea? Because it's just like, I just slapped my forehead, like, this is just getting out of hand now. It's ridiculous, but it's but it's difficult, <clears throat> isn't it? Because it's like, how do we it's like walking the line between living our lives, capitalism. The appropriation of black culture, whilst at the same time the lack of investment in black black culture, like it's like as a black person you're constantly walking yeah, in contradiction. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, right. Ideally, in a, in an ideal world, blue sky thinking, I wouldn't mind them doing that. But equally, I want you to say to myself, like, say to everyone, yeah, I'm, I've been taking that piss out of you. I am. Say sorry. And say sorry. Yeah, say sorry. But, but I know that's mm. not going to happen. I know that's not going to happen. So we're always going to have this tension until until someone says and says, listen. I have taken a piss out of you, man. And I do do this. Mm. I know you do it. You know I know it. So I'm going to admit it. Having that conversation. Right? Yeah. When it comes to exploiting black culture, I've been like pissed off about this for years. It just gets worse and worse, especially with the younger generation without education, especially when I deal with young people. I did uh, an experiment, not experiment, but more like a research sort of thing. Actually, I'll give this look at this, but this is for you. So what I did as well is... Not like using this word, but with the Conservative Party um, putting out, I would say, a false promise that they're going to tackle uh, knife crime and youth violence. Again, they're just pulling on the heartstrings of those who are quite vulnerable where they don't do the research or understand the politics and the economic side of what's actually happening to our youth. 
So, for example, there was a study that was done by the University of Michigan when they wanted to look at what are the five factors that influence children in society. University of Michigan. And as you can see, they did it in 1950, 1980, and 2000. T, would you like to say what's um, the so, list on 1950? Uh, right, so wait. So Daryl's giving us a handout. I'm yeah, really yeah. this. Wait, We've yeah. got a handout, which has got... Do you want to describe it, T? It's got, um, I suppose, symbols yeah. of a home, mm-hmm. a school, yeah. a church. Yeah. I assume friends. Yeah. A person. Your peers, yeah. And it, the last one would be a TV. Right? Okay. So, C, would you uh, like to say 1980? 1980, home, friends, TV, school, church. Right. Or religion. Yeah. And then 2000, anyone can go for 2000. So we've got your peer group being the top one. Mm -hmm. Music being Mm -hmm. the one below. TV, home, school. So these are the five factors that are influencing children. I think they've done it over a... In in any order? That's the order. So number one is at the top. At the top, okay. Yeah, sorry, I should have said that. Yeah, number one is at the top. Can you see what's happening to school? It's at the bottom. You see what's happening to home? It's at the bottom. And in 2000, there's a symbol for music. Do Mm. you know what genre of music they're talking about here? I assume... I'm not going to assume. Tell me. (laughs) No, get your guess, that's all right. Guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to... I don't want to say rap, man. Please don't say... Don't let me rap. Right. It's rap music, right? Rap. Okay. So I was like, wow, the rise of a certain type of rap was becoming more influential than the home mm. and then the school. So I was like, okay, that's America. They haven't updated and done a new one since. So I was like, all right, that's American narrative, American research. Yeah. Let's do a UK version. Yeah. So what I did in the school that I work in, I thought, let me conduct my own research. Okay. So what I did was I asked them to do the same thing, write down your factors, and I drew up um, what the results were. Mm-hmm. Now, the results, as you can see, what's the highest one? Home. Home yeah. is the highest one. Right. So, um, home, but what they counted was home was inside the house mm-hmm. and outside. So, the society they live in, the areas that they live okay. in. Okay. What's second? The, the second one is friends. friends. Right. And the third one is? You've got joint 21 is school and social media. Right. So, what I also looked at, I did some more research, was to find out what is the most influential genre of music. Because yeah, yeah. I believe it's going to play a, a factor, okay. a, a matter in, in the home and the area they live in, yeah. friends and in social media. And what came out was drill music. Drill music was the number one genre of influential <laughs> children in South London, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's do with that, because I did it with three areas. And when you terms. say influential, what do you mean by influential? When I say influential, is it it has an effect on things that you say, how you behave and how you view life and how you view yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay, so let's clarify something. So drill music, if you can clarify for instance, what is drill music, right? I know what drill music You know what drill music is. <laughs> can, can I clarify, clarify what drill music yeah, is? And there's a couple, we, we know there's quite a few scholars that theorise and do research on the impact or in quotations, possible impact of drill music that listen to this podcast. So I think it'd be good to have your and, and, insight yeah, sure. them as yeah, well. Go on, go on. Okay, I would say drill music... Um, um, is it's a genre of music which is a reflection of a certain demographic of people who live in Britain. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, does, before it was a London thing, but as you can see from the charts, um, there are many artists in Manchester and Liverpool, mm-hmm. Sheffield, that are making dual music. Dual music is a 140 BPM beat. Um, Slutty, I quite like it. I listened to it the other day. I like it. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, very, it's like a, it's like a, Denomination from grime and mm-hmm. also um, UK hip hop as well, and it's got a bit of that that southern trap style from America. So it's like a fusion of like three different <laughs> genres come together, um, and it's it's a youth thing. It's not. I would say it's an under. It's meant to be mm-hmm. an under thirty thing, but mm-hmm. there are obviously artists who are over thirty that are um, producing this music. Um, there are. It's been drill music on a whole has been labelled as violent music, mm-hmm. and the music which is encouraging young people to commit violence. Mm-hmm. That's what drill music. Okay. Is. Um, so what I did, I took it upon myself. Even though I'm a musician myself, I love music, but I thought to do more research. What is it that I can look at when it comes to drill music? So I went into Spotify mm-hmm. because I thought if someone who's not from a certain area outside of London, a rural area, and thought, you know, I like drill music. Mm-hmm. I want to go listen to drill music. I'm going to put it on Spotify. So mm-hmm. they go on Spotify and then play them one after the other. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, cool. 
what songs there. So I've, I played the first 50 songs, took notes. Mm. And what I want to look for, what was the common factors within every single one of them when it came to consumerism, which ties into... As I say, that's why I think it's about social psychology of consumerism, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what I came up with. So, as you can see here, so would you Darryl's like to describe... Daryl's handing us another handout. I'm really liking this... Um, <laughs> it's very, it's very, very educational. Very educational podcast. <laughs> okay, so... I like it. Daryl's given us another handout, which has got various labels on it. Mm. Um, it's got Louis Vuitton, mm-hmm. Dior, sure. uh, Dolce & Gabbana, Hermes, mm-hmm. Calvin Klein, Machino, Yves Saint Laurent, Burberry. Right. So, basically, it's all the labels, right? Right. Listen... I'm a street kid, right? Mm-hmm. So those things mean something to me, right? They mean yeah. something. If I if I have that, mm-hmm. if I have that, certain people know in it. They okay. know. You know. Oh, I know. Right? Now you're on the ball. That's what. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. on the ball. Now let's check it. Tell me what they all have in common. Have they said they don't want black people wearing their brands? Some of them. I know Ralph Lauren said that, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Some so, of them. So I know. I know. I know. Some of them have. Versace said that we don't want black people wearing their brands. I know. I have. Timberland was a bit dodgy. Yeah, listen, all of them, all of them. Man's got a Fendi belt still, so yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. yeah cool, no. um, but what do they all have in common? I'm going to tell you how silly we I haven't had, no one's got it right so far oh. on the first goal. Because I do a lot of youth work, yeah. I've had to explain it to them and they've been like, okay, so. Jimmy Choo, Mercedes. Mm. What do they all have in common? Yeah, but, well, they're, um, they're run by multinational super what? rich. Okay, that's one answer. Not, you, like, yeah, yeah, but that's not what I'm looking for. Remember, all of these, I found these are the most common brands that was listed in 50, the, the first 50 songs on Spotify, which are... I, I don't know, go on, go on, go on, I run out of things, my brain's not working. Run out? Go on, yeah. All of them are surnames. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Now, they've come out with a product and a brand. Mm-hmm. Donna Karen. They've come out with a brand that they want to stand by a product that they want to put out into the market that mm-hmm. they believe in, that they'll put their name on it, mm-hmm. put a stamp on it, say, this is me, this is my name, this is what I believe in. I mm-hmm. stand in this product, I stand in this. Yeah. Our young people are making themselves, if not homeless, if not committing homicide, suicide, if not doing certain things that pretty much uh, degrades another person in order to acquire something mm-hmm. which is not of their name. Yeah, fifty of the artists on Spotify, not one of them have their real name. But you know what? You know what it is. But you listen. You know what it is. It's a street thing. <coughs> that says when when you see those things there, mm-hmm. that's aspiration. That you're that's, that's, what you're that's aspiration, right? Exactly. So if I say if I'm wearing, listen, if I'm on the block and I'm wearing just bits. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the block. Mm-hmm. Can we get a um, Sorry. translation? Sorry. So, so if I'm if, if I'm if I'm getting rolled now. If if, if 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 I'm just standing around on the block, right? Sure. And I live in a council state. We know we live in a council state. Mm-hmm. But, and I see it all the time. Anyone that comes to my gym drives drive Bentleys. They drive Bentleys but park in council estates. Yes. Bentley, That's a, I think, is on the list. Is Bentley yep. on the list? Listen, yeah. so, and that, show, that shows you, if I'm coming to the I'm driving Bentley, but I'm coming to the gym mm-hmm. in shitty tracksuit bottoms, mm-hmm. but my flip-flops are, are mosh, and I'm just wearing it like it's nothing. It's to show you that, listen, I'm someone. I live in shit, but I'm mm-hmm. someone. Exactly. Why? That's the question mm. I have. Why? I see what you're saying, right? Like, thinking about it more structurally helps us make sense of individual behaviours. So for me, like structurally, you are subordinated constantly if you're working class. Like that is your life. Mm-hmm. So attack so having brands and aspirations, I mean slightly different and less related to road. Like my family that are working class jewellery is a big big thing like having if you Mm. can see that someone has got a nice ring on a nice necklace wearing an estate doesn't matter if you've got that that is giving you like listen it gives you you capital capital within that environment class Mm -hmm. and that thing is all intersectional right because they're all the same thing Mm -hmm. so you you see a blending of cultures right Mm -hmm. where working class people do the same so if you look at the kind of old 19th century ways of middle class people coming down to the east end to ape working class manners and more Mm -hmm. so people like Guy Ritchie in films like um, Snatch and stuff yeah, aping working class ways, ways and all that, but this whole idea of aspiration, right? Mm-hmm. In the, especially in the UK context, right? Mm-hmm. To aspire to be working well, middle class, right? Or mm-hmm. people who have money. Mm-hmm. So you you will shed part of your own personality, your own value system, of course, and adopt the value system of people who you think are the winners. Mm-hmm. So 
someone like I don't know Kim Kardashian, yeah, yeah. people like that. That those kind of values, you, they adopt those values and, and ways mm-hmm. to be successful. I'm assuming. I don't know. Well, you're right. Yeah, but when the conservatives come out and say, "Oh, we're going to try and tackle youth violence," you're never going to hear anybody talk about that. Plus, with the young people that I do, I do, I work in a Saturday school as well on the, um, in East London. I, I did this with them, and they were just like, "Right, I get it," but. Having those brands, I feel safe because yeah. I will then be looked at as someone with status, which you were yeah. saying, with the fellas yeah. and also with girls. Understand. So I was like, all right. So I was like, I want you to do me something. Okay, them all pieces of paper. Can I just say, I'm that person as well. Yeah. Still, I'll say. I can't say that I'm immune. I can't say that I'm immune from think. I don't think but, anyone is, right? I don't think anyone is, and I think this is the kind of nature of consumerism, right? No one's immune to, no, to anyone that says they are, they're lying, right? I think we're all susceptible to it. But <laughs> George said that we use iPhone in his hand. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> you know what? I would actually say that George is one of the people that I think is close to me that isn't as susceptible. No, listen, everyone, 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 we all like. Sorry, I mean, sorry, Darryl, I'll cut you. I'll cut yeah, you. Like, no, you sure. talking about the kids. Yeah, what? because I like these brands. Mm. I do, some of them. But the way how I value these brands is not the same way how our 11, 12 year olds value mm. or our 15, 16 year olds. So, off the back of that, there was a uh, 11 year old student who um, I did this with, and he was like, yeah, he understands it, he knows the brands, blah, 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 and he gets it. Like, people will actually kill for those brands because it gives them status. Mm. They're not going to get status at home. They're not going to get status any other way with their intellect. They get status by wearing certain brands, meaning they'll be recognised. Like, there's only four ways with youth you become part of the it crowd. There's one, you have certain items of clothing. Two, you have a lot of money, but you don't stunt. You kind of like, you have money, people know. Three, you're a comedian. Four, you can fight. A lot of people, the fourth one doesn't apply to them. Mm. Go ahead, what's your name? And this is, I'm having a similar conversation with a kid, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, I said, it doesn't matter what you got, right? Because one day I went to school and my mum, do you remember Wallabies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man had Wallabies. Yeah, Wallabies. Yeah. But man had a fake pair, right? And then when the boy said, you got a fake pair of Wallabies, I don't come back. So I'm trying to tell the kids, listen, these are props, right? Their props. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. If you got all them, I'll still gun you the same way. Yeah, yeah. I'll still gun you. Mm-hmm. So what matters is your character. 100%. Your character. Your character. Not every man can fight, because I'm not telling you everyone can fight. Because if, if I know if you're fronting that you can fight, you just get beaten up, right? Or if you're trying to run it's your mouth. But yeah, but it's down to this. <laughs> T's going to start having warrants soon. <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen. When I'm telling this kid, I'm telling you, this is your character, son. Yeah. Listen, to be who you are. Definitely. Just be who you are. Don't mm-hmm. try and be someone, don't be a joker if you're not a joker. Be that person. That you, yeah, be who you are, innit? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not that person, I'll see through you, man. And that, when, I did, when I've done uh, kind of mentor young kids, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. I'm telling you, listen. You're not a bad guy. One guy said, I'm gonna, I'm, he's going to get his dad. I said, get your dad. I'm not your teacher and I'm not your pal. So, so don't, don't go like you're a bad guy. You have to understand <laughs> this, isn't it? That's so, right. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, and how we valued it growing up is, I'm telling you, with the young people, like, it's a, it's a different sort of ball game. Mm-hmm. They're spent, the amount of money that these 14 year olds are spending mm-hmm. on clothes and other little things was not the same amount of money that... Mm. When I was fourteen, but isn't, but isn't it relative, right? So mm-hmm. listen, so a pair. Of, I listen. Man would like want to buy a pair, a pair of Jordans yeah. at that point, right? So what, eighty, ninety pounds? Mm-hmm. Bought my first pair of Jordans at eighty nine, right? So that's ninety pounds, right? But in two thousand nineteen, it's an iPhone, which is a thousand pounds. Yeah. So, but relative, I, to. relative to but what the issue is, I think for me personally, it's not the kids. The kids are just kids. They're innocent. They're born into it, right? Yeah, that's the only thing they know. This is the only thing they know. So it starts, again, with a generation back. And again, instilling those right values. So where I was going to school, man was wearing this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. To school. And then one day, my mum said, how much do you earn? And I was like, huh? (laughs) She goes, how much do you earn? I was like, what? Mm -hmm. She goes, exactly. (laughs) She goes, you earn nothing. And she said, so therefore, to get that stuff, you have to earn it, right? Yeah, sure. And then she tried to explain to me the value of it, right? So to get things, you work hard, right? Definitely. And this is where I think the, the kind of there's a disconnect, right? Which I was going to go into, yeah. But how can we, right? So I'm with you guys. I'm I'm walking the line with you. I'm I'm and talking about the individual. I think is important. Yeah. But I always sort of want to bring it back to the structural as well and how, just as T saying, money is relative to the time that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So is young people's aspirations and how they live their lives. So. Mm-hmm. 
we are in a moment of severe inequality right now. Like, we've got the biggest unequal distribution of wealth in Europe, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty no, you're right. right. No, it's, it's mostly like, Europe. It's, I think the, the work you're doing with young people is so important because giving, up, giving young people a sense of self... Like, just explaining to them, like, where they come from, but also, like, breaking down things like this is so important. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's equally important to be able to have these conversations about young people whilst also recognising what is happening on the outside to both influence and affect their lives. Because mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Because sometimes I feel like this could, like, focus on the individual can sometimes be a little bit of a red herring. But it is important, though. So, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to say, like, walking alongside of you guys, but equally thinking yeah. about the stru- how important the structure is. No, I, th- I think you make a, a valid point. So I was going to say to Daryl, what does that say then? So what are you say, how are you tying this into a kind of conceptual framework? All right, so basically what I do, <clears throat> and, all right, tying it into the branding. I did it with last year with a set of year 10s mm-hmm. and then just coming to GCSEs so and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now, the ones that I deal with are, a lot of them are on SEN. Special, edu- special, special educational needs. Okay. Um, and LSA, learning support, um, mm-hmm. assistant team, whatever. A school I worked in, not to name, 40% of their students are on SEN. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, that is low. Anyway. Can I just say, I was an SEN at, pri- at primary school. Really? This is what they do to kids. Like, this is what they do to... This is about black kids. Mm-hmm. They put us in <clears throat> special needs classes. Like, this is standard, yeah. Like, when I went to the interview at this school, um, I was dealing with uh, the manager at the time of the school and the head teacher. And, uh, so many different people that run this school. I was like, all right. It was an academy. And then halfway through the interview, a PE teacher walks in. Like, just don't even knock, just open the door. They're not listening. da 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 and then she was like, um, sorry, who? And then the two students are in the corridor. I was like, what? So I was like, all right. I was like, can I, can I go out there? And it was like, sure. I was like, so I walked out there. I was like, how are you doing? I went, fist bumped, mm-hmm. the guy. Mm-hmm. I went to the girl, I was like, how are you doing? You all right? She's like, yeah, I'm not doing um, Spanish because Spanish gets my nerves. I don't like the teacher. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, fair enough. You don't like the teacher. It happens. There's a lot of teachers I didn't like. Mm-hmm. But... What is going to be the outcome if you do not sit in that class? Just just throw some ideas. And there was like, oh, well, we're not going to get a good result. I'm not going to be able to do this. I was like, exactly. You have power as an individual to decide on what you want to do with your life. Do not stand in the way of your progress. Now, if you really want to get the result, but you're struggling, find an alternative way. So you have awarding bodies, you have governors, you have mentors, you have so many people that will listen to you, but you have to declare. Do not lash out. That was like, actually... Where are you from? And then she said, oh, I live in this estate. I was like, oh. I said to the boy, where are you from? He was like, I live in that estate. I was like, so do you, like, by any chance, um, do you work at home? And he was like, no. I was like, why? Oh, because my mum, she works late. And the other one said, um, I live with three other siblings. Mm-hmm. And it's a two-bedroom house. So I'm like, right, so is there time to do, like, homework in the front room as opposed to the bedroom? It was like, no, no, so many different things. I was listening, I was like, all right, all right, cool. And I said, hey, well, I'm going to pen an idea to the head teacher that I think will work for you. They was like, all right, okay, cool. They went back into Spanish, everything was cool. The head teacher took my concept, my idea, to the rest of the faculty um, of languages and all the students that were failing at that moment in Spanish, Italian, French and German, bumped up. So what was the idea? Right, so the idea I said to them is that try something. There's a Dr. Martin Glynn, he coined the term um, data verbalisation, where you take a bit of research and you apply it over to a beat, and then you can consume it a lot easier. So I said, all right, how about you play some music, run some after-school classes, and just play some background music, some instrumentals in the background. Students decided to listen a lot more, and I do it with all my sessions, play music in the background, because because music is so influential, if you can connect the two by having research or having a lesson where you can apply music in some way, mm-hmm. students will engage more and you can pluck their brains and make them more relaxed. Do you know what? What, what, I, what, my, what I'm thinking about here, Daryl, is as well as the music definitely playing a part in this, the, this environment being successful, yeah. it's also like the actual seeing people with power t- making an effort to condition an environment for you. Yeah. Like as sort of put it simplistically, even though it's such an amazing thing that you mm-hmm. you did for this school, mm-hmm. like 
showing young people that you care about them and their progression is so much and representation as well obviously course, when it comes to imposter syndrome in current school I work in it's 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 it's, it's so sad and ridiculous to see the amount of students that are in um, internal every single day who are black mm. and then I look at the faculty and it's just like there's only three black teachers in the whole school yeah. and one is like an assistant and not even really involved like that and it's yeah. like but so want, go ahead this is the thing that I suppose upsets me the most like this this crass consumerism right it affects everyone but I'm trying to say to young kids like, especially young black kids like you don't have to be that way the representation that you see of yourself is only one aspect of your of your possible selves right mm-hmm. one small aspect so the, the need to drive to, to have music. You could have all these items if you worked in, in finance. You could have yep. all these items if you worked, if you became an actor. You could have all these... Fi- There's so many different ways, right? But the, the, the representation that sits well with our youth is that street culture, which is... And people... That, and it's not because I get upset when I, when I see something like Top Boy, but that is that same thing that's it's digestible for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And I'm trying to say, listen, those things that they do... They, they describe a certain reality, but not for everyone, man. Definitely, and sometimes it's it's it's, it's so it's so sad because I will have like two hours with them. Everything's rosy, we're breaking things down. They're getting it, then they go out into the wider world and they have to defend themselves. Mm. And it's all about so. For example, like if this is how I explain perception to them mm. is like. Okay, so what's this? So that was holding up <laughs> a, a key. key. Okay, so if I. Pull it in between my knuckles and strike someone with it. What does it become? This is a weapon, right? Okay, so is it a key or is it a weapon? It's whatever I want it to be. Okay. What do you think it is? A key. Why do you think it's a key? Uh, because. Because. No, it's your mindset. That's how you'd use okay. it. It's a key. You'd use it. It's a key. You would use it. Mindset. 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 Okay. Okay. So you're saying it's a key, and you're saying yeah. you can use it. Well, as... like I said, like listen. You know, if I'm outside mm-hmm. and you get into things, sometimes people mm-hmm. use keys, weapons, mm-hmm. right? But you see, I've sometimes used keys to support vandalism. You've used keys to get into stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, but essentially, it's a key. Okay, love it. You're both right, and you're both wrong at the same time. This is just plastic and metal. What you've done is described it and given it a characteristic. Mm. No one's seen me use this to open any doors. You mm. thought it was a key by what your perception is mm-hmm. and your knowledge, how you know what you know, your epistemology. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and what I did is I affected your consciousness, so I deliberately shook the keys on purpose to give you the sound of keys and then did that. Mm-hmm. So not only have I given you the sound, I've also given you the visual. Plus, before I said to you, mm-hmm. what is it? I went like that first. Mm-hmm. So I've given you the thud sound, thud sound <laughs> and the sound of violent side of hitting someone mm-hmm. so affect your conscious thinking it's a weapon actually no mm-hmm. it is that and that mm-hmm. sort of thing that's how perception works so when I teach young people is that people are going to assume certain things on you just based upon how you sound mm-hmm. and how you look 100. so it's about what you respond to not what you're called so even though the outside for example like I always bring in newspapers every single session and say every single time you see a black person it's always the metro because it's free mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 it real yeah. every single time you see a black person in there Right, I give you a pound, and mm. sometimes it might end up being that four pound. I'm like, all right. Every single time you see um, a black person of your gender, mm. I'll give you two pound, and then they'll go, oh yeah, there's, there's a female, oh, there's a male. I'm like, cool. I said, all right, twenty pound on the table. Yeah, you have everything. Yeah. yeah, you can keep that, or you can have the twenty pound on top, but you have to find a representation of yourself. Which one do you want to do? Because I'll, I'll try for representation. Always film like. Show me a positive image of someone that looks exactly like you. So mm-hmm. you could be a girl, a black girl, uh, coming from a certain area, blah, 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 a re- positive representation of yourself. Always felt. I've been doing it for over a year. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is what your teachers read every single day, majority of the time. Mm-hmm. They're not really going to be the ones that's going to be looking into your life and finding out what's going into your life personally. I've been into every single staff room and there's no representation of children or people of, mm-hmm. from certain backgrounds. So not only do your teachers not read about you in the, in the mornings, in the afternoons they're not going to read about you because on their lunch break mm-hmm. they're either going to be searching on social media or speaking to a loved one or just doing what they need to be doing for their session. And at the end of the day, they're definitely too tired and they just want to go home. So teachers every single day, no fault of their own, Mm. have no idea of what's going on in your life 
or what's going on within your family. Therefore, when you come into school, they're only going to have this perception of what the media puts out of you. So if you automatically react to your name being called, you have attitude or you may kiss your teeth or whatever, they're assuming you are part of a certain culture. And if you play into that, no fault of your own, then you're going to be more subjugated to be put into eternal, put on SEN, so many different things just based upon what their teacher's perception is because that's their knowledge. Now you've got to be able to box smart and know how to navigate within that space. But it's, it's interesting, that that note, that kind of kind of tie it back into kind of our concepts that notion of domination is that symbolic violence because you sure. see that it's natural now yeah, their yeah, reaction yeah. is natural yep in yep. vertical in like, air quotes right yeah. so as a, like I said this is intersectional so it crosses gender it crosses oh, yep. race it crosses religion faith religion yeah so how do you decode like, this is the thing right and this is where we are now so how do you decode and demystify structures to make them apparent to people and say listen this is the structure I'm, I'm getting black Marxist vibes, black Marxism vibes, like talking about the importance of the individual and the structural, but equally how exploitative that is to I, black bodies in particular. But I, but I think like but, it's a multi-dimensional yeah, thing, isn't it? But I'm trying to say to people, right? Listen, boom. I want to speak to people in the street and say, listen, this is the structure, right? This is the thing. How do we start? Listen, you're plugged into it. Yeah. I need to remove you, so you can see it for yourself and make that choice, right? Mm-hmm. Make an informed choice. But I don't know, rendering something visible yeah. that is so omniscient and omnipresent in people's lives mm-hmm. is difficult because, like it said, it, yeah. see, it becomes natural. I think how I managed to tap into some of the young people's, I think I started to gain their trust by being open. So yeah. every single session I do, I say, I'm going to talk about me first, just so you know who I am. <laughs> yeah. I tell you all the, yeah. yeah, everything that I've did that's bad and that's good, not everything, but I'm going to show you certain <laughs> yeah. things. So you can see, I'm on your level. I've come up from when you come up. But don't let your environment be your destination. Don't be, oh, because I'm from a council estate, this is my life. No, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. You can still do X, Y, Z. It's about finding, and every sort of group is different. So mm. a group of... 15-year-old boys can be different from 15-year-old girls because maturity levels and certain yeah, things. Girls are so much more mature. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. It's mad. Yeah. So there's so many different things. So you kind of got to play into their strengths. So you, like they say, you can't um, bring a horse to a water and expect it to drink it. Yeah. But if you put salt in the hay, then you make them thirsty. So it's about giving them that sort of element to make them say, do you know what? I can dig that. And because when I turn up these sessions, mm. I kind of just like them as well. Mm. So it's about... What you're saying about leaving stuff behind is like intergenerational in which a lot of like my generation, how like we failed the younger generation is that what the young people are doing today, especially this, we did this. Yeah, I did this. Yeah. I used to wear Avrex. I used to, I was part of, right. So I was part of that. I just understand. Right? I wanted to be, I wanted to have a TT like Mega Man. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I was all on that. Yeah. But there was that little divide where if I saw my older brother's friends on the street, they'll be like, you know, you're smart. If I catch you on road, I'm going to beat you up. Mm. So I'm like, all right, all right, okay. Okay, maybe not. So I had one foot in and one foot out. Yeah. Now, my generation, when we grew up, we didn't leave back that same doctrine, that same philosophy, like, if you don't. A lot of us, we didn't. So we just moved off the area, got married. How old are you, though? 31. Yeah, I think you're right, you know. I think you're right. I think you're right what you're saying. I, I hear, I hear we, what you're saying. Has has people that are our age done enough to to, to say to young people? But, 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 but I don't. Right. So your generation T did that. Yeah, but said, see, so listen, don't do, don't go on road. Yeah. I'll yeah, come yeah. for you. But I no, can't tell your mum. No, no. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I see, but people I know, they know. Like I said they're they're bad people. Mm-hmm. So they'll tell you, are you like these people? Are you like that? And I'll say to them, no, right? Because I'm not willing to do with the stuff that they're doing, mm-hmm. and they know that, right? So mm-hmm. they tell you what you're like, right? Yeah. But what I'm not not a kind of, I'm not arguing against you. I think. The caveat is, I think, as we go along, mm-hmm. people are picking up more and more doctrine of neoliberalism, right? Of doing it yourself. Sure. Do, so it's not the fact that you're not staying behind. You're following that doctrine that is, is in the air. So you're thinking, well, I don't need to leave that thing because I'm pursuing my own wealth, which is the good That's... in our society, right? Mm-hmm. So the further we've moved away from the idea of class mm-hmm. being an important thing or community being an important thing, and, every, and as, as the decades go on, People become more individualistic. Sure, definitely. And that, that ties in with the structural nature of capitalism, right? So you becoming, as, as things go on, the kids now mm-hmm. are perfect consumers. Oh, perfect yeah. consumers. Oh, yeah. So they don't, they don't, they don't need to work because mm-hmm. the idea, the kids, the parents will say, "I'll buy the iPhone. I'll just buy it for you." So people, uh, this, some kids up into the house, they've got everything in oh, their room, and plus, 
and they don't even need to leave the room to speak to their friends. And they can just buy stuff online mm-hmm. without going to a shop. Mm-hmm. So they become consumers par excellence, right? But okay. that structure fits with capitalism. So it's not the fact that people weren't doing it. They were just doing what they know is Definitely. normal. But it's also within that, a lot of children that I know that, uh, that have everything in their room, mm. it's because their mum don't want them to go out. Mm. So it's like, it's yeah. a double-edged sword mm. where it's like, I don't want, I'd rather my son being here and his friends being here because I know exactly where they're going to be. But what, and what's the, the common denominator here though is structure, like the structures. What, yeah. what is happening to make outside less safe for young people? What is happening to make mums not want their kids to go out? Like, it is the like, problem we are, it's environments that are facilitated yeah, yeah, by yeah. the structure. I what? did, what I did with a group in um, East London, these were, um, 10-year-old, I think it was 10. Anyway, I was like, what I want you to do is draw the number one thing that you're scared of. So they drew, I think there was 27 of them, there were 27 of them in the class, one was white. Mm-hmm. So 26 of them, and they drew, every single one of them actually drew a, drew a person with a hood up. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, and they had knives and stuff. I was like, all right, okay, let's, let's explore this. They was explaining certain things, I was like, all right, cool. Annotate it, so do a line next to it and write the race. Out of the 26, 23 of them put black. The other three put, it could be anyone, because they just blacked out the face. Mm-hmm. Someone with a hood and one. These are 10-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. Um, for those that live in a council estate, especially if it's a um, tower block, I want you to write down what you see. If you're going to visit a friend or family member, what is it that you notice? For next week, come back. Here is a drawing of, this is, this is um, his name's Daniel. This is a drawing of what a 10-year-old drew, of what he's scared of. So is that a... So, so, that's, so... so that's... When he asked him to explain it, um, this is a bandana mm. covering a person's face. He actually said this person was black, but they're scary and they look like deaf and they're wearing a hat. I said, so the tower block you're going to visit, What? tell me about it. And he said, oh, I'm going to visit my friend who was on the third floor. And I was like, OK, so most of your friends and family members that live in tower blocks... Where do they live? They said, at the top. And I go, do you know why? So tied into what you're saying is, when you can get them to trust you with knowledge and information about their personal lives, then you can explain why. So mm-hmm. they can understand, you know what? There's a su- structure in place. A lot of them don't understand mm-hmm. what a structure mm-hmm. is. So I'm like, most areas, not all, but most areas, especially um, certain estates, when it comes to um, ethnic minorities, but majority black people, they live above the third floor. Yeah, yeah. Third and above. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously with... Most white people, they want to live closer to the ground. Mm-hmm. So the community or councils, they will put white people close to the bottom so you, you don't have to pass black people on your journey. Old white women don't want to live at the top. They don't want to live... Just don't. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's structured. Mm-hmm. You look at Grenfell, most yeah. of the people that died were at the top. Yeah, I live obviously. on the fourth floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. It's fourth floor. Yeah, I live on the fourth floor. <laughs> but how many floors yeah. do you have? So there's eight. So I'm fourth. Yeah, so you're halfway. Yeah, halfway, yeah, yeah. Halfway, right. it's mad. We so, live on 13. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. Oh, it's standard. It's right. I agree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they didn't understand. They just think, oh, I live in a tower block and what if, oh, I've got <laughs> a nice view. But they put you majority of the time, not all the time, but majority <laughs> of the time putting this web. This is what a 10-year-old's drawing. So when it comes to youth violence and certain... And his friend next to him was a family member of the 15-year-old boy who got stabbed in Stratford mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, um, Baptista. Mm-hmm. He, his, his family member was sitting right next to him. Mm-hmm. And he drew... A person with a hood and an ivy said he's scared. He's a 10-year-old. Mm. So when you have the Conservative Party saying that we're going to try and find ways to... T- how? It's public health issue. It's not... <laughs> but you, how? So, like, um, just... Right, so... Yeah. So the, the work that everybody... The work that you're doing... Yeah. Work, it's... How? If you used to go in a room and say, OK, boom, 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 mm. this was going on, How? Because in order, because poverty breeds crime, a, different, mm. a certain type of crime. Mm. So they understand. For example, if you're an alcoholic, there's a ten point program that you can have to get you off. If you're addicted to alcohol, that's your means of mm. da, 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 cool. If you're addicted to certain drugs, there's a ten point program that's yeah. in place that you know you do mental health or X Y Z that works. When you're addicted to money and sometimes you commit crime in order to get the money, what is a ten point program you have? They have in place for young people that's addicted to money. Or you're not, not necessarily addicted to money. You're structurally marginalised racially and class. Exactly. It's, yeah, but there it's, isn't one. So yeah. the only thing is to change poverty. For change poverty, which is the boils down to capital. But you're not going. But for them to practice capitalism, someone has to be poor. No, so who's that going to be? There's, like I said, there's always going to be the inequality, right? So there is a system that always developed, right? Definitely. And so this isn't developed in the nineteenth century. It was the workhouses, right? Mm-hmm. So we have all these stereotypes and notions of what it means to be poor and poor people who don't who are seen to be work shy. There's been a kind of criminalization of our culture, of our ways. So. 
we want to aspire, but we can't. We haven't got the capital to aspire, so we might steal. So you have lots of um, figures. So from the in the in the nineteenth century, there's like highwaymen stealing things to get money. You have, the, you have piracy, which is massive during the slave trade, right? Definitely. So you have all these things to acquire capital to buy things to be like the people who they who they see have power. Mm-hmm. So this is a continual process. This is a thing that's always gone on. But we've just went into the mix of we, it all. We've, we've gone into that. Companies have got, got really smart. And so they, need, they know how to exploit that and exploit the psychology of it all. And sure. that's quite scary. But so, it's also that capitalism, in order for capitalism to succeed, it needs little boys like Daniel drawing these sort of pictures, being afraid from such a young age and thinking that this is but, the enemy. But the madness is, right? And... Mm-hmm. So I was gonna say, see when, see, see when I see when I was a kid, right? The people I feared the most, people my own age. Yeah. People don't understand like when you're a kid. It's I think for, if I'm not fearing adults. I'm getting on the bus. It's people who are my age or a little bit older. Just to um, stick a pin right there. The other three drew next to them was their mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm scared of my mum. Yeah, no, scary. two. Yeah, sorry, two. Put, yeah. Two. Put, they had the person with the hood, and then they had their mum, and the other person drew um, a cross. And it's good. So I'm just going to God. I was like, okay. But listen, yeah. you know, as a okay. kid, it's, it's listen. As a kid, it's messy out there, isn't it? Sure, definitely. It's messy. So I, especially if I'm going to a different area, mm-hmm. if I'm going to a different area and I speak different, I know by going to a different part of London. At that, at the age I was, yep. for me, so it was going from east to south. Mm-hmm. I know the way I speak, the way I move, the way I dress. My my social capital doesn't extend to them places, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So already, <clears throat> there's things people are going. What where are you from? Mm-hmm. Where are you from, blood? I, like, I uh, these things like they're so ingrained. Yeah. My stepdad, was, I, I think for me, is quite influential. He un- he made me understand the importance of doing anything, anything yeah. it is. So I know he shouldn't said this, but he he said it anyway. If it's whether it's crime or if you do a job, it's the same principle. It's work, right? And, and, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. have to work hard so to be to be good at something. <laughs> but to say to be good at, yeah, 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 and that's yeah. what and that's what he was. That's the principle he was yeah. saying. Irrelevant. He goes, even if you tr- you think it's the easy way, it's not. Mm. To be successful means work, and it's trying to un- make these people understand that these things are the end after effect. Yeah, sure. They're, they're not. They're not. They're not even the main thing. Mm-hmm. And I, the way I kind of try to explain to kids is, Bill Gates didn't chase. These things, right? Bill Gates chases to be the best, to dominate everyone, and that's the focus, right? The other things just come along. Definitely, the, the, oh, I, can, I can accumulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the incidental, right? Sure, yeah. But the key thing he chased was power. Yeah, exactly. And that power is seen, and he's attained that power. You, you visualize, you achieve. Mm-hmm. And if they're chasing, the young people are chasing this as power, mm. then. For them to be the best, they know that, well, to acquire this, to be the best at that, you may need to get your hands a bit dirty, yeah, unfortunately. But, and so, but this is the, the, the goal is the wrong thing. I'm saying something that you chase that, but, but that's the material thing, right? Definitely. But you chase a concept of power, right? Mm. The abstract notion. So you don't, you don't know when you're getting it. So when I train, I train for the abstract concept that I, to be the best. What is the best? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the best is. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have to keep going. Definitely. What would liberation look like? For young people today, what would freedom look like? What does liberation look like for young people? It depends. I don't think there's one. Because, yeah, there's so much going on back home. Like, because in this generation, we're in different generations. So you have our generation and then you have their generation. They're in the generation of self-gratification. So everything's just instant. They want it now. So <laughs> that was me a little bit as well. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Do you know what? No. I know what you mean. You wait. You wait till Christmas. <sighs> or you wait till your birthday. You, you, yeah. You, you pay. You, you kind of, oh, I don't want to wait. But you did it anyway. Yeah. With this generation, everything's instant. They want it now. So going for power, like what Bill Gates did... That's a journey. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people will be like, a lot of young people will be like, I like it, but uh, I can't bother to wait that long. In a current state where we have in the in East London, where some of the people that I work with, you have like 14-year-olds saying, I might not even reach 18. Mm-hmm. These are... Six people said that. Mm-hmm. Two of them were girls. Mm-hmm. So to give them the say, you know what, you work hard at this, they might, oh, I'm not even going to see it anyway, so what's the point? It breaks my. I mean, when you're sitting there as a, you're thinking, what? Like, it's it's. But listen, but but I'm trying to say to them, right? Listen, I I understand what you say. I'm not that kind of economic. Like the opportunity cost to defer something for some good at some point in the road, it seems far, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now, when I'm talking to young kids, I'm saying, like, listen, if you don't want to be that person that gets bullied or gets mugged off like that, right? It's how you roll. 
Doesn't matter what I've got. Listen, you could have all that stuff, but I'll mug you. I'll take it from you. Right? Mm-hmm. Standard. So why doesn't that happen to certain people? It doesn't mean that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So why doesn't it hurt certain people? Yeah. I said it's their character, right? Mm-hmm. So you might not be able to fight. Listen, the first day I went to school, man, I got bullied mad, but I had to learn and I had to adapt to that environment, mm-hmm. right? So it's about your character. Definitely. So I didn't have everything. Mm-hmm. These things, the, the things that I acquired later, were as, as a process. So I, I said to the kid, now, the person that you see before you now at 41, and I said, you sort of respect me because I have certain things. Man, you see, I've got Supreme trainers. You're all on that height because I've got Supreme. But I said, you don't respect me because I have things. It's how I carry myself. Yeah. So how did I do I had to learn. And that, so that's what a person that t- tried and error. And so when I was 11, to navigate that place, to stop getting bullied, mm-hmm. I had to be a certain way. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And adopt certain ways to kind mm-hmm. of learn. And some of those ways failed, yeah. some of them succeeded. But it's trying to say to them, look, listen, it's about your character because that will help you survive in those environments. You might, not, you might not win all the time, but sometimes it will get you out of that situation. And it's trying to get to people to understand that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, when I'm saying your character, it's not a thing for like when you're 20, 30, 40. Yeah. It's for right now, bro. No, no, right yeah, now. It's, it's, or, or we could just have more funding in schools, more black teachers, more representation. Definitely. But, I, I that, yeah. but it's all like, about... I'm just trying to take yeah. it away from the individual. I agree with what you're saying. But it's a collective. So many, it's so many different there are so factors. Many yeah. that affect both your lived experience, your how you're perceiving the world, like... About not wanting to reach 18, I have heard youth workers that I know that are saying that a lot more, yeah. um, and it breaks my heart. But there are so many things structurally that have to be done Brown, in order to help because not everybody. Again, like our generation, there was still a bit of a code, which is like an unwritten rule on the streets. Now yeah. it's not even like that. So, as much as I can only do my best, but when they're out there, they're on their own. Like mm-hmm. I say to them, do you want to be feared or respected? They all say feared. So, yeah. like, so it's like, and it's, 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 it's it, like when you heard, I'm rather be feared. I'm like, you're 14 years old. You're cute, smart black girl. What do you mean you want to be feared? Because, and then they give their, I, I can't say nothing on, on what they're saying. I'm just like, you know what? I have to keep, but listen, keep, keep, but there's not enough of But then when I, when I pushed yeah. them on that, you know, when I pushed them on that, mm-hmm. to be feared, right? I said, but how do you feel when you make someone scared? And most of the time, they feel bad. Because I said, you know why? Mm. You're not bad. You're not a bad person. But, one one yeah. boy I said to him, said, he goes, oh, I want to stab people. I said, I said, I can tell from my, you can't stab someone. I said, would you stab me? I said, if you're a bad man, stab me. He's not a stabber. He goes, I can't. Mm. I said, would you even tell your mum if he stood to stab me? He goes, no, I wouldn't. I said, why? A bad guy will tell everyone he's done it because he, he has no fear. Mm-hmm. You have fear. And I said, be That's who you okay. are. I said, yeah, it's okay to be who you are. But I said, the time I'm seeing you be who you're not naturally, yeah, yeah. I can see you, you have that fear in you. Definitely. So you can't make people respect you because they can see that there's doubt in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have no fear. You, people respect them because that's who they really are, man. Mm. But it's okay to not be that person, man. It's okay. And that's what I'm saying. There's so many representations out there. And I'm saying, like, listen, for us, like I said, there's a structural thing. We, I understand the structure. But I'm looking at practical steps that we can take, like, right now. Practical steps is like, listen, allow the fucking internet, man. <laughs> I'm taking. I'll uh, take. Yes, no, I'll, true, yeah. I'll take it's every. Ele- probably your best quote on the podcast yeah. is the internet was a mistake. So, it's a mistake. We weren't ready for that, man. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't ready for that. Wait, no. fuck, fuck, listen, I'll take. It was a Nigerian. They created it in there anyway. We thought, oh, this might. <laughs> listen, <laughs> all, those kids, all those kids at eleven. You don't need your phone at eleven. Nah, definitely. You don't need because you know what. I will take your phone yeah. because your phone costs three hundred pounds, four hundred pounds. Yeah. That's what kids are thinking. When I was on the bus, man had a bus, a bus yeah. pass. That's easily replaceable, though. <laughs> That's the thing. You see, when taking phones back in the day, yeah. if you come home and, and your mum said, "Where is your phone?" You've got that's it. Now it's like, take my phone, it's locked anyway. Insurance when we was kids. <laughs> for what? For, no, the, your insurance was like, your mum's word. And the <laughs> idea of credit as well. The credit, yeah. things being instantly accessible and all these kind of things. Yeah. And obviously working class people are more like to have credit, mm-hmm. right? Live beyond their means. It's all these kind of things. Yes. They're fucking people up, man. Capitalism, neoliberalism. It's, it's neoliberalism, I mean. I said, like, do you know what? Taking this sort of it seems unrelated, but I think it's related. So some of my some of my peers, like middle class, like white peers, and they'll talk to me about how they're feeling in themselves. Sure. And I'm like, guys, you know that's capitalism. That is what it's doing. Like just taking it beyond what we're talking about. Do you understand about. it when you like, speak these, to them? Like these these people, they but it's the defence of it. And uh, even I will probably defend it sometimes because yeah. I like fucking like Nike leggings. You know what I mean? It's mm. bad. Like. Capitalism but is bad, yeah. Capitalism is bad. Yeah. Like, that is, we are, we are dying, we are stretched, we are depressed, <clears throat> we are tired. 
And, and imagine what effect that's having on our young people. Because, again, so back to, 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 off the back of that, and that's why it's so hard for certain, like, massive radical movements to happen because I just hate academic masturbation. I can't stand... When I, the work I do, and then I go on Twitter and I see people with blue ticks talking about issues that do not affect them or they are not connected to the situation, but they'll write an article and it'll for The Guardian be like, oh, here's my, my spew on this situation. That, that's your contribution. Mm. Because for you to really be honest and true with yourself, you might have to say, do you know what? Because number one, for a black leader to go out there and say, look, I'm for the youth, I'm against the system, blah, 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 you might have to be very open with your life. You mm. might have to say, do you know what? Here's my bank statements. This is what I spend my money on. Mm. A lot of black leaders don't want to show you what they spend, their disposable income, what it goes to, because it'll be like, hold on a minute, that's, that's capitalism. Wait, you're putting money towards it. But I guess it's about telling young people that life is complex, but Definitely. there are ways that we don't have to be... Like, we can live and engage in neoliberalism and capitalism, but we can also engage in black liberation. And that can be, like, questioning structures, mm-hmm. reading about where we've come from. And I think you're right about, like, the blue tick stuff and writing the articles. I do, I do think you're right. And it reminds me of that Bell Hooks quote, which mm. is, like, I focus more on what people do rather than what they say. Yeah, so yeah. something along but, those lines. But and, what always gets me, and uh, we spoke about it before on our podcast, is how are academic... Um, epistemologies that are, especially in sociology, are constructed, right? Mm-hmm. We're always constru- we're always looking down. It's always looking down. Mm-hmm. It rarely looks up, right? We rarely you never see like we, well, we haven't had black academics come and saying, "Listen, I'm studying white middle class people at Oxford, and they're kind of their ways," because it, it rarely happens, right? Mm-hmm. The literature is being, especially in the East End, is about coming to study the working class people, the working poor of London, the workhouses, the poor laws, the reform laws, all this stuff about the way we are. This needs to stop, man. And this is why we have a kind of oversensitivity of like studying our areas. And, and if it's us, that if we want to hear others, I'll study us, we'll study us. So we had that Jessica, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Inuit lady, talking about her own experience. Yeah. And people. And people, yeah, and her yeah, yeah. people. And that, and that voice, it tends to be lost in our field, in our academic fields. Right. The voices of the people who are victims of these forms of domination. So that's why someone like Bell Hooks is powerful, right? Mm. That's why Franz Fanon is powerful, oh, right? Yeah. Because it's our people speaking about our kind of oppression and the nature of domination and what it does to us. And I think that sometimes, I think that's why the podcast and the people we've had on it, that's what I quite like about it. Mm-hmm. People studying, study, looking from the bottom upwards. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, we, talked, we touched on this earlier before we started podcasting, like, this weekend has been a revelation of revolution of how the elite are just fuckeries, right? From Prince Andrew to Jacob Rees-Mogg. Mm-hmm. They're fuckeries. A study of them would be fucking fascinating, right? Because it shows you that they, they don't fucking care. Yep. But yet they'll tell you that we are the problem. We are stabbing each other. But their behaviour, they're having, having sex on the island with kids. With kids for years. For years. Nothing's really been for done years. about it. But, but yet when you're talking about stabbing, yeah. and, and our kids have been... Uh, locked away for long sentences. Mm-hmm. People have been locked up for like being recreational drug users, right? You see this, the study of the top, the elite, but we could never understand it. Or I could never get into those worlds, but our worlds are accessible. Our worlds are, they can, you can commercialise our worlds and sell our worlds. You couldn't sell, well, you could actually, it would make a good programme. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> sell just with Jeffrey Epstein's eye because they wouldn't let you in to study them. And this is the problem, man. Academically, we have an issue of looking downwards. Now, if we put all our focus and fix the gaze upwards, what would you find out? So much. The true nature of reality? Mm. Fuck knows, man. I think people might be scared to do it, so yeah. that's probably what it is. It's that have it fair. We are going to have to wrap up now, Daryl, but would you like to finish, you like to finish on? Um, Any, some wise words? Some wise words. Um, so can you give in? So our listenership is mainly academics and students. We are getting people from outside of higher education, but... What would your message be? Also, not, not to attack academics, yeah, but yeah. it's what I see on social media oh, no, in comparison. Cri- we're, we're, we're critical friends of academia. Most episodes. Yeah. Okay, then. Oh, okay, then. Screw them, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> screw them. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, sick and tired. It just bugs me because it's like I will mention certain people to the young people. Like, oh, this person said this and they're trying to defend your case. And they're like, who's that? I'm like, yeah. All oh, right. Like, and what it happens, especially with politics as well. I remember when um, Nick Clegg was doing his campaign, he was going around, he was getting, he was <laughs> travelling around South London, and um, he pronounced an area wrong. I was just like, he said, instead of Streatham, he said Straight Eatham. I was like, what? 
But then, oh, but then that's that's a pro- I'm thinking the sons are all right. That's he would say that. Yeah. Is that straight uh, straight eat him? Straight eat him. It's like a school. It's a college, isn't it? Straight eat him. It's like again, like we. It's just it's just like oh what I couldn't. I was like, do you know what? Whatever. That's them. I'm not expecting anything better. But for our adult generation. Um, we have to pay attention to our younger people. Our elder said to me once, um, the teacher arrives when the student's ready. And I believe that a lot of our young people are ready, but there's not enough teachers around. Um, teachers in the street, teachers at the home, teachers everywhere in the world. And also, um, Sun Tzu, Art of War, talks about... Love that book. <laughs> talks about if you... To kind of paraphrase, if you don't know yourself, but you know your enemy, then that's 50% of the war you're going to lose. If you know um, yourself and don't know your enemy, then, again, that's 50% you're going to lose anyway. But if you know both, then you have a higher chance of succeeding and winning the battle. Right. Can I just add this side? So that's why Edward Sy said Orientalism. That's why they win. They know us, right? So much more. They know us better than we know ourselves, in air quotes, right? So this is why it's, it's important to read. It's why it's important to kind of to look past this thing, right? Because there's people that use your brain, man. Mm-hmm. The worst thing I said, to, the worst thing that the West ever done was to teach me how to read, right? Because mm-hmm. I understand your language, right? And I can decode your language. And once I can do that, I can tell my friends. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're not looking to hold knowledge. I'm looking to pass that shit onto everyone. Exactly, intergenerational, transferable. And also, um, like, let's... Because 1963, Howard Becker came out with the labelling theory. Tell a ch- child they're stupid long enough to start to believe mm-hmm. it. And we've got to change how we engage with our young people and stop labelling all of them, you know. Saying your child's naughty, naughty, naughty. You're, in, in sound waves, you're saying the child's naughty. So you take off the Y, you're saying your child's naught, naught, naught. That's what they can hear. Naught is equal to zero. So you're saying the child is zero. The child's brain, especially when it, before the age of 18, can't decide on what's reality and what's fantasy. What's reality and what's fantasy. So when it comes to the young people that I work with, they believe that if they fail at a test or not, do high enough, they automatically think they're stupid. And we've got to start to pump the belief system in them that says, you know, you can. It's just not what about what you can write down on a paper, it's about what you can remember. So how the system breaks down, especially ethnic minority children, especially black children, is there's four steps, kind of like IQ, IQ um, steps as well, which is um, something called, there's four steps, processing speed, how fast a child can come up with sums. There's working memory, how well can a child remember something and apply it to... Um, working out an exam. Um, non-verbal reasoning, meaning how well can a child do well at a test without having any prior experience or prior knowledge on something. But then the fourth one, and this is the one that gets a lot of black students, which in the pack I've given you breaks down why our black children are failing and why black boys are failing more than black girls. Even though our black children do better than white children on free school meals, outside of that, black children are failing, Caribbean or African. The last one is verbal comprehension. Now, that's what gets a lot of students because they don't understand linguistics. So because they don't understand the terminologies, they disconnect and feel, I can't understand that language, I'm going to fail. So a lot of the tests I've seen for GCSE, I'm like, why don't you just make it simple? That's just so, but it gets them. So that bumps the numbers down. So that's how they get our young children by changing the wording and explaining certain things. Like, Two ten, uh, yeah, ten-year-olds could be at the same level on those three levels. But if one went to school in Eton and then one went to school in Hackney, depending on what the level of teaching is, one's going to get that verbal comprehension and one isn't. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the test, they're both going to get it, but one's going to understand it more. It's not one smarter than the mm-hmm. other. So our young people think they're not smart enough just because of the numbers. Yeah. Not, it's not how they've been taught. So find and navigate ways in order for our young people to learn a particular topic, find what actually works for them. There's so many different ways, whether it's... Remember, there's three ways, kinesthetic, auditory, and oral. So find out which one works for them. Some kids yeah. like to be shown, and they can do it. Some have to do it. Some people can just hear and be like, what's that? Okay, I can do that. Find out. There's not the whole um, one way of uh, uh, linear mm-hmm. kind of like way how to do it. So Darryl, work with our young people. Thank you. That was brilliant, Daryl. Thank, yeah. so Thank, Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm trying to be like you, Lotto! <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry. Thank oh. you so much for listening to that powerful, just over an hour there, um, episode. Oh, wow. um, we will be back next week as per usual. Um, if you are able to join our Patreon community, please do. We totally understand if you cannot, but if you can, all money goes towards helping us get more guests on and back into the production of the podcast. Go on, what we can say, Dale? Yeah, just to kind of plug this as well. Oh, yeah. Next oh, year, uh, <laughs> next year, I've created a Young Readers Future Leaders campaign where every month from January to December, I'm going to be taking 10 different black children to black books, black sellers, black vendors, black publishing houses. So please donate to to the campaign because I'll be taking 10 children. The first trip is on the 25th of January. Then every last Saturday after that for the whole of 2020, it's about getting our young minds into spaces and creating that barbershop feel inside a bookshop by going to our black sellers brilliant, and brilliant. spending black pounds. We'll so. put the link in the episode guides. One sec, can I do a plug? Uh, George and I are doing a full Monty Surviving Society calendar for Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to do 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 You've been listening to Surviving Society with Chantal and Tiso. Please like, rate and subscribe. You can also find more of us on Twitter and Instagram.